the world that we live in today is changing so fast. It's really hard to keep up with everything that's going on. Just think about the technology, all the technology that is out there today, the, the smart technology, you know, with all the smartphones and the, the smart tablets and the smart TVs and, and, you know, there are even smart refrigerators. You know, you can, you can watch YouTube on your refrigerator, okay? What is that about, right? There's a lot of things that are changing and, and it, it, it's hard to keep up with it. I was in Walmart or Target or one of those places a few weeks ago and I was noticing all the, the smart lamps and smart light bulbs and, and all of these things. My grandfather, you know, he used to talk about growing up without air conditioner. And I'm thinking, how in the world did you live without an air conditioner? And he said, well, in those days, we really just didn't know. You didn't have it. You didn't know what you were missing, okay? <clears throat> you know me well enough to know that I am thankful and I praise God for refrigeration and for the air conditioner, okay? And, and so uh, many of y'all remember a time when not only did you not use a cell phone for everything, but you had one of those weird things with a dial tone called a landline. Okay, some of y'all still have it. That's okay. And there was even a day when not only did you have the landline, but if you picked up the phone and you wanted to make a phone call and your neighbor happened to be on the phone, you had to wait until they got done because you shared a phone line with, uh, with several different households. And so... Uh, so you could be talking to somebody on your, on your phone in your living room and somebody down the street could pick up the phone and listen to everything you're saying, okay? Those were different days. And, and now you can, you can carry a phone with you. Not only do you have your own sort of dedicated phone line, you don't have to worry about whether or not someone's on the phone if you want to make a call, but you can take that phone even if you have. I know some of y'all always tell me, all I got is a flip phone, Okay? But you get even a little flip phone. You take it and you put it in your pocket and you can take it anywhere and talk on the phone. Well, now, unless you're going to go into the Dollar General store, okay? You forget about it if you're going to go in the Dollar General store. It's not going to happen, all right? But just think about this, though. In those days, people could not have fathomed all the things that we are able to do today with technology. You, you couldn't even have thought or you couldn't have imagined it and, and in many ways 30 40 years ago we just we just didn't know what we were missing <clears throat> see scripture teaches us if you are a believer in jesus christ god has given you a new life the bible says that that, that jesus has 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 upgraded you spiritually you have a, a new life you have a new heart uh, you've received a spiritual upgrade and and in Ephesians 4, Paul tells us that for, for those of us who are in Christ, that there is, a, there is a new life ahead, and this is what it looks like. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 17, and, and read through verses 24. We've got to kind of pick up where we left off last time in Ephesians chapter 4 as we look at some descriptions of this spiritual upgrade that we have received through Christ. Here we go. Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts. 
They're darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you learned about the Messiah, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him because the truth is in Jesus. You took off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and you are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. And you put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to understand the differences in this old self and this new self. And Father, help us to understand what it means to live Father, with this, this, this upgrade that we have received through Christ, Father, a new heart, a new life, a new walk. Father, may we understand that to, to, to walk in your likeness and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see in Ephesians 4, we see Paul talking about this new way of life. We call it, uh, I'm calling it this morning, the spiritual upgrade and we want to talk about what that looks like and if you're if you're if you've been upgraded in in your heart if you have a new heart in Christ what does that look like and what does that mean for for we as believers and the first thing that it means is that we are to be different okay be different if you are in Christ you should be different verse 17 says therefore I say this and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts. Uh, Paul says, therefore, uh, you, you should, should not walk that way. Do not walk like a Gentile. And so, uh, so the first word here we see is therefore. And remember, we always look back. Why is that there? Well, therefore what? Because of what? You know, why are we supposed to do this? And if you just remember what Paul has been talking about already in Ephesians 4, he is told them that they are to walk worthy of their calling. He has instructed them to pursue unity in the church. He has also told them, and we talked about this the last time I was with you preaching, that he has given you spiritual gifts. God has blessed you with with certain gifts that you are to use for his glory and his purposes on earth, gifts to build up the body of Christ and to be used uh, as we carry out the commission that God has made us of making disciples. So if you are a follower of Christ, you are a recipient of the saving grace of Christ. And that means that he is changing you from the inside out, but he is doing that because you have received the gospel. And as a recipient of the gospel of Christ, you are also a steward of the gospel of Christ. You are God's ambassadors to a lost world so therefore you have a high calling therefore because of that you should be different be different you should no longer walk as the gentiles walk now you have to understand uh when when paul talks about the gentiles in in the book of ephesians and typically the new testament when you're talking about the gentiles in general usually that is a, a a reference to 
lost people, okay? Remember, the assumption of the Gentiles is that they are lost because they come from a culture that does not recognize the God of the Bible. They come from a culture that does not worship the God of the Bible. In fact, they come from a culture that that does very detestable and and, and vile things, okay? And so, so Paul says, you've got a higher calling, and so your life should be different. You know, our world has, has changed a lot over the years. Some may be better off, but some not so much. Morally, we look at our world today, and we seem to be much worse off than we were 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago and 50 years ago, and you just keep going back. It seems like the further we get down the timeline, the, 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 the further we get away from what God says is uh, morally acceptable. And, you know, there was a day not too long ago, just maybe 30, about 30 years ago, when, when the, the morality of religion, and specifically Christianity, and secular morality, that there, you know, there has always been a gap there. But, but 30 years ago, that gap was not very big. There was a gap there. There were differences, but... Boy, it was not as big as it is today. Some of y'all remember uh, a political movement in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, started by Jerry Falwell. Jerry Falwell is the founder of Liberty University, uh, very uh, affluent in uh, uh, college, university in our nation, Christian university, having a tremendous impact on people all over the world. But in the early 80s, Jerry Falwell started a movement known as the Moral majority. Now, they were politically active and all of those things, but here, here, here's, the, here, here's what I want you to understand about that, is that in those days, there was not as much of a gap between a, uh, a, a Bible-believing person and a person who maybe did not live according to the Word of God as strictly as a, someone who really took the Bible seriously. There was not as much of a gap. And so... Christians of all denominations would come, they came together in, in this group, and, and even non Christians were involved in this group. And uh, there, were, there were people of different races, ethnicities, all those things involved in this group, because, and they centered around a certain set of morality. Not all of them were Christians, not all of them said, Hey, I, I believe everything in the Bible, but, but the gap between the two was not nearly as far away as it is today. They described themselves as pro-life, pro-family, pro-American, those kinds of things. But that's really not where we are today as a secular culture, is it? We live in a world today where really anything goes as long as you don't offend the wrong people. Like you can offend some people, right? You can, Christians, it doesn't matter what Christians think. But as long as you don't offend some other people, then you're, you're all good to go, okay? We live in a world that is just a lot different. You know, Paul says, uh, Paul says that you are to walk different from the world. You are to live different than the lost culture. You know, secular culture, does, they, they don't see things the way that we see them. With moral issues like, like family and marriage and Gender issues. Did you know that people are arguing over how many genders there are? I mean, we live in a confused world. 
Think about the things that are on TV. Think about, you know, I think about network television. I, I can't sit my kids down and let them just watch something on network television. I can't even sit them down and let them watch Nickelodeon without worrying about what they're going to hear and see. We live in a world where on network television, you can not only use the Lord's name in vain, but you can curse the name of God. But now there are some other words that are offensive to other people. You can't say those, but boy, you know, those things about God, they're okay. You know, you see network television, you see glorifying promiscuity, we see... We, we see a world where, uh, uh, where promiscuity of any kind goes. Fornication of every kind is promoted on network television every single day. That is the world that we live in today. Family television is a joke. It's, it's, it's a sad reality. And I believe it's a distortion of what, um, what the family really should be. But Paul says... You're to live different than the world. person who follows Christ is not supposed to look like the world. They are supposed to look like Jesus. be different in how we live. We should be different in our moral character. We don't, don't walk the way that lost people walk. So you've got to be different. Um, but also, you need to be different in how you love. You need to be different in how you live. You need to be different in how you love. You need to learn to love lost people. Yes, we live in a, in, in a lost world. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's scary. And yes, it's disheartening. But when we look around, we have to understand what we are looking at. We need to learn to love people and to try to understand what is going on in their lives. Paul describes them for us. These Gentiles, we're not to walk like these Gentiles anymore. Paul begins to describe them. In verse 17, he says... Their thoughts are futile. He says these things, the things that they chase are pointless. They're, you know, these things spiritually, they're going nowhere. Whether they're rich or they're famous or they're funny or whatever it is, their thoughts are futile and, and they're going nowhere. In verse 18 he says, they're darkened in their understanding. He says, he says it's like they're living in the dark. They're living without the light of God to show the way. It, it's not that they, it's not that, uh, uh, it, it's not that they're all just horrible, horrible people, but they're walking and they're living in the dark. They're unable to see what they're what they're doing. They're unable to see what they're supposed to, where they're supposed to go, and how they're supposed to be living, because they're living in the dark. Some of them, they 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 don't they don't mean to be the way that they are. They're just living apart from the light of God's word. It's kind of like that story of, of uh, the 100-year-old man that, that went to his doctor for a checkup. And the doc says, now, now are you doing all right? And he says, are you still getting up in the middle of the night? And, and uh, the old man says, absolutely, doctor. I still get up in the middle of the night, but the good Lord's taking care of that. And every time I have to get up to go to the restroom, the Lord turns the light on. And whenever I come get done, he turns the light off. I don't have to do anything. And the doctor says, oh, boy, that's a miracle. So his wife comes in a couple minutes later and and, uh, and, and, and says, well, how's he doing? And the doctor says, well, I think he's doing fine. He seems okay, but he, he says but he, he says that every time he gets up to go to the restroom, that the light turns on, the light turns off, and he doesn't have to do anything. She says, oh, my goodness, he's going to the restroom and the refrigerator again. <laughs> okay? He didn't know any different. 
Now that's a, that, I don't know if you could ever get a refrigerator that smart or if you'd ever want one uh, that smart, but here's someone that was walking around in the dark doing things that they didn't, they were doing things, they thought they were doing one thing in one place, but they were doing it somewhere else. In, in fact, Scripture tells us, uh, and you know this from Psalm 119, Thy word is a, is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. Listen, when lost people look at us, you think we get frustrated? They get frustrated with us too. And, and they think we're kind of weird. They don't understand why you would get up and go to church on a Sunday morning and not sleep in or not get up if you're going to get up early, go fishing or, you know, sit in the recliner and watch Sports Center or Lifetime TV or whatever it is that you would watch. They don't understand why we would do these things, why we would come here and sing these songs and have these fellowships and, and learn about God's Word, you know, uh, they, they, think, they think we're crazy because they're not being led by the light of the Word of God. Some lost people get really frustrated with us. They, they think that Christians are, are bigots. Some lost people think that we're religious fanatics. And, and the reason is, is because if you are a, a Christian and if you're going to live different, then, then your life should be defined by the Word of God here. But they don't understand that. And so to them, some of these things are offensive. They don't understand that, that God's Word is a is a love letter. It's his instruction book. It's, it's the map by which we are to pursue the path of God in our life. It, it, it's, it's how he let us, it's how God lets us know how we are to walk. But look what else Paul says about them. He says that they don't understand because they're walking in darkness. But he says this, he says they are excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They are excluded from the life of God. They don't have the connection that you and I have with God. Why is that? Well, it, it, it's exactly the same reason why I did not have a connection with God at one point in my life. It's the same exact reason that you didn't have a relationship with God and a connection with God at some point in your life. See, we were ignorant to the love of Christ. Now, now understand that the word ignorant, as used in this context, doesn't mean that you're stupid, okay? It doesn't mean that you're unable to understand. It does mean that there's information that is not there. It hasn't been connected. It hasn't been revealed to them. And, and they haven't had an understanding of it. So... So Paul is saying they are like this because, because they, don't, they don't understand the love of Christ. They don't understand the word of God. They don't understand these things. The, the, the knowledge of these things is absent, and, and absent from their minds. And because of that, their hearts have, have grown hard. You know, they have sin, just like you and I have sin. And before Christ, it was the hardness of our hearts that was, that was caused by the sin of our lives that separated us from God and in, in what Paul is saying to us right here is reminding us that lost people act like lost people because they're lost people. Okay? They're, they're going to be frustrated with Christians because they don't understand they're lost people. And so when we look around as frustrated as we get, and boy, I get frustrated with this world. I I'm I'm terrified at the world my kids are growing up in. I mean I wonder what the issues of today, what the issues of 
tomorrow will be. I mean, how long will it be till we're till we went to another level? But we have to understand that lost people act like lost people because they don't have Jesus. And if we're ever going to change this world, we have to connect them to Jesus. It says when they became callous and their heart became hard, why? Because of their sin. They then took it another step further and they began to give themselves over to other immoral things, every kind of immorality, every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. See, we all have an addiction, and that addiction is sin. And we all struggle with sin. The difference in you and I, if you are in Christ as I am, the difference between you and I is not that we don't sin, or that we don't struggle with that addiction. The difference is um, that we have the power of God working in us and through us because we've given our heart to Christ. You see, they need an upgrade. See, lost people, they don't understand what we understand. They don't know the things that we know. They don't know the love, the peace, and the purpose that we know. And, and, and lost people can't just stop. If you're talking to somebody that's struggling with an addiction, you know, I mean, you know, I, I can understand, hey, the problem is that you shouldn't drink anymore, okay? The problem is maybe you, you ought not smoke those illegal things, you know? It's real easy to know what the, what, the, what the problem is, but you talk to an addict and you say, hey, you just need to stop. Well, they know they need to stop, but they can't do it because they're addicted to it. See, lost people, they cannot stop sinning on their own. They cannot stop a life of sin on their own because they need Jesus. Act, lost people act like lost people because they're lost people, but Jesus says in Luke 19... For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Proverbs 11 says the fruit of righteousness is, is a tree of life and whoever captures a soul is wise. And Romans 1, Paul, the same author of Ephesians says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Gentile. Be different in your character, but be different in your love as well. Don't beat up lost people because they're lost. But in the name of Jesus, I want you to love them. Demonstrate the love of God by building a relationship with them. Demonstrate it by being an ambassador of God in their life. Demonstrate that love by praying for them, honestly praying for them. Demonstrate it by finding ways to connect them to God. Find ways to share the gospel. Find ways to share about what God is doing in your life and how God's blessed you. Invite them to church. Invite them to Christian events. Find ways to connect them to Jesus. Demonstrate it also in your excitement for the things of God. What good does it do to invite someone to church if they don't see the excitement about the things of God in your life? Why would they want to come? Why would they want to hear about a Jesus if, if you don't care enough to talk about him in your everyday life? Demonstrate it and how you serve God. Be different. The second thing is we need to be discerning. Okay, It says, but that is not how you learned about the Messiah. Paul says, assuming you heard about him, you were taught by him because the truth 
is in Jesus. Part of being different is, is learning to discern truth. Okay? The learning to discern truth and letting the truth of God direct your path. And the truth of God is revealed in the Word of God. It says the truth is in Jesus. You know what's sad is we have a lot of, a lot of people, so many people, who say they love Jesus, and man, they're trying real hard, trying real hard to, to, to sort of have that facade of loving Jesus and then a facade of looking like the rest of the world. So they don't want, to, they don't want anybody to think that they're not, they're not a believer, that they don't care about the things of God, but they're so worried about the respect and the admiration of the things in this world that they completely neglect and turn their back on the things of God, the truth of God. They're looking for respect. They're looking for acceptance from a lost world instead of acceptance from a holy God. And so they'll compromise. They'll compromise their moral character to fit in just a little bit better. You see, you can't be different if you don't learn to be discerning in your faith. And what I mean by discerning, a person who's discerning is someone who, who, who uses the wisdom of God and takes the wisdom of God and applies that to their life. You know, uh, instead of saying, hey, hey, you know, what's popular? What does Yahoo News tell me? What is this thing on Netflix that I watch? What does that show tell me about life? The, you know, the discerning person does not let those things define their worldview and how they see right and wrong, good and evil, the discerning person says, hey God, what do you think about this? And hey, you know, there's different ideas about this in this world today, but I'm going to stick with what God says because I trust him more. And I'm going to let that define who I am. That's a discerning person. Some of you, if you've taken spiritual gift surveys, some of you may have learned that you have a spiritual gift of discernment and so some of you just intuitively you don't have to go and dig in God's word maybe as much as an average person and intuitively you just kind of know and understand what the biblically and godly wise thing would be to do discernment means that you look at things and you filter them through biblical wisdom because everything you need to know about how to make a biblically wise decision in everything in life. All of it is found in the principles of the Word of God. Verse 21 says, because the truth is in Jesus. You know, it's true that lost people act like lost people because they're lost people. But why do saved people act like lost people? I think it's because many of the times it's because we're not discerning truth. We're not getting our truth from the Word of God. The Word of God is not, is not, is not the news feed of, of truth in our lives. We're, we're getting that news feed from other sources. We're not living according to the truth of God's Word. Because Listen, God's Word cannot direct your path. It cannot direct your path if you never learn it. If you never study it. And if you don't trust it, you've got to be different. And if you're going to be different, you need to be discerning. Learn to discern truth from God's Word. And third thing is this. Be decisive. Be decisive. 
Paul talks about here in, in, in verse 22, he says, You took off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and you are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. He says, You put on the new self, the one that is created according to God's likeness and the righteousness and purity of truth. Part of coming to Christ, listen, part of coming to Christ is this thing that we call repentance, okay? You know what repentance is? Repentance is when you turn away from something and towards something else, okay? If you've come to Christ, if you've, if you've given your heart to Jesus, you put your faith in Jesus, we say it a lot of different ways, but part of that process of trusting God is saying, God, I'm sick of trusting the world. I'm going to start trusting you. And part of that is not, just a, it's not just empty words. Those are words of commitment that are reflective of something in your heart. And if it's reflective of something in your heart, you're going to see it uh, active and happening in your life. And so, God, if I'm, if I'm saying to you, if my deep commitment, my heart commitment is that I'm turning away from sin, that means I'm going to turn towards you, which means I'm going to pursue you with my life. I'm going to pursue you and not pursue the world, when you repent of something, you're turning away from it and turning towards something else. If you've come to Christ, you've repented of your sins. You've turned away from the things that separated you from God, whether the physical sins, the sinful attitudes, the, the sinful way that, that, that our culture at times views our world, the sinful worldview that, 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 that views our culture and, and defines morality and character in our culture today you know if that's defined by pop culture and whatever is popular and whatever is uh uh you know whatever the fad is today you know we can't let those things define our moral character we have to be defined by the word of god and so if you've repented of your sins what that means is that you ought to be chasing those things all right the god things not the world things but here's the thing that you have to understand as well, is that you, there is a constant battle in the heart of every believer. And it is a battle of the old way of life versus the new way of life. See, when, when you come to Christ, you made a decision to trust God, to trust Jesus. You made a decision to walk away from those old things and begin walking towards the new things. Paul says it like this. He says, you took off the old dirty clothes and you put on the new clothes. You took off the old self and put on the new self. And he says that when he's talking to believers and talking about how they should walk and what it should look like to live with an upgraded heart and in the walk of Christ. He says you, take, you took the old off and put the new on because here's the thing. It's not enough. It's not enough just to take the old off. You have to replace the old with something new. And there is a constant battle, even in the heart of a believer, someone who trusts in Jesus Christ, there will be a constant battle. As you pursue that which is new, you will be tempted time and time again to pursue that which is old. It is a constant battle. But the more you replace the old with the new, the better it will be and the easier it will get. But if you don't replace the old with the old things with new things, Listen, it won't be long until you're right back doing the same old thing. I mean, just imagine this. Imagine you walked into your closet tonight and you said, you know what? 
I don't wash these old clothes. I've had these for a long time. I've got some stains in some of these shirts and shorts and jeans. And, you know, I, I want a new wardrobe. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call I'm gonna call a church member. I'm going to have them come over with their pickup truck. I'm going to take everything out of that closet and big bundles on the hanger. I'm going to go dump it in the, in the back of that truck. I'm going to get rid of everything I own except for the clothes I have on my back and, and on myself right now. That's all I'm going to keep. And you just throw everything else in that truck and you let the truck go uh, maybe go off to the dump. Maybe you're not, you know, maybe you, 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 their clothes are so bad and ugly and torn and dirty you wouldn't even give them uh, to, uh, to a charity. So you just say they should need to go to the dump. So you send them to the dump. But then you live a day or two or a week and you don't ever go get any new clothes. How long is it going to be till you start thinking about how good that old tattered shirt would feel right now, right? You got to replace the old things with new things. It is a constant battle. We have to be decisive. Decide who you are going to be. Keep moving forward in Christ. Stop turning around. Stop, stop putting on those nasty old clothes. Stop, stop, stop trying to, to live like the old self and pursue the things of the new self in Christ because that battle rages. The old way and the new way. You know, there's an old story about an Indian chief who was uh, showing, there was a visitor in his, uh, in his encampment there, and he was showing him around uh, the settlement, and, and they came across a couple dogs, and these two dogs were, were fighting each other, and they were growling, and they were snarling, and they were showing their teeth, and they were clawing, and, and then they would jump, and they would kind of fight each other and come apart and growl and gnarl and snarl again, and and, and the visitor was kind of shocked by this. And the Indian chief says, says don't worry about the dogs. They, they fight like that all the time. And, and so the visitor said, well, 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 which one usually wins? And the Indian chief says, the one I feed. The one I feed the most is the one that's going to win. You see, if you feed the new self, you feed the new things in Christ, the more you do that, the more it's going to starve out the old self. The easier it's going to be, the less tempting it will be to go back to those old things and those old ways, but you have to feed the new self. So I don't know what comes to your mind when I start talking about old self, temptations. I don't know if there's an attitude. I don't know if there's a particular sin, something that you struggle with. But here's what I do know, whatever it is, I know we all have those things, but, but, but here, here's what I do know. I do know that, that it's, it's always lurking around in the back of your mind and in the depths of your heart. Those things will lurk. And if you just give it just a little bit, just a little bit, you see, it'll, it'll control you before you know it because just a little bit is never enough when it comes to sin. We got to pursue the new things. That means you have to be decisive. I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to pursue the things of God. Does that mean you're, you're not going to stumble? No. Does that mean that you might not sin? No. But it means that when I realize what I've done, I, instead of picking myself up and running towards that old sin a little bit more, I'm going to pick myself up and think, 
boy, I've gone a little too far here. I need to get back over here where it's safe. I need to get back in the, in, in, you know, in, under the grace of God's care. I need to be walking with Jesus because we are called to be different. And if we're going to be different, we've got to be discerning in our truth and we need to be decisive. We need to be decisive in the things of our faith. Scripture teaches us that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And we talk about that all the time. But one of the things that we sometimes forget is that Jesus died for you to be his disciple as well. He died to save you, but he also died to disciple you. He has a plan for you. And the more you get caught up in the craziness of this world, the less effective you're going to be. The, the, if, if you're going to be different, you've got to be different in your character, yes. You've got to be different in your love. I think that's even harder. You've got to be decisive. You've got to be discerning. And if you will do that, and if you will pursue those things, the things of God, you will see the world the way that God does, and He will use you to make a difference in His kingdom.